tonight, Steve brought, not Steve, Chuck. <laughs> Steve just sat down. Chuck brought an extra booster for the booster. And so um, what that means is you're going to receive easier than you've ever received before. So just turn to the person next to you and just say it's going to be ever easier than you've ever received before. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> so why don't you give Chuck a Texas welcome. Thank you. <laughs> it's fine. I've got, I've got four Oh, Jesus. Woo. Oh, I was just in heaven over there listening to all these testimonies. Oh, my goodness. Woo. It, it just makes me happy. <laughs> oh. I just love being around people who, who just love Jesus. Mm. No, um, as you're sharing the testimony, just so many things are firing off in my, in my mind. But um, one of the main themes is, you know, we all need encounters with his love, encounters with his goodness, encounters with his truth, encounters with who he is. But, and, and those encounters fuel us, but really those encounters are, you know, they're put in us and they're brought to us because he's wooing us into being an, a continuous encounter ourselves. You know, so we have encounters so we can become encounters. So that we can just walk around like you're sharing, you know, we change atmospheres not by trying to do something, but by being by being. Just say, I'm an open heaven. That's what he says. Where did he say the kingdom of heaven is? is? It's in us. You know, and this kingdom is, you know, it's limitless. And it's a, a kingdom, kingdom of no limits. And, and it's in us. And, you know, we've got this booster thing in us, this Holy Spirit. But, <laughs> but he's He's our access to everything. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will take everything that's mine and make it known to you. Okay, so everything Jesus has, we get to know because of this booster, this amazing Holy Spirit, who came inside to live in us. I, this is really incredible. I mean, it, it's really incredible. The God of the universe, who can't be contained in a box, chooses to be in us, but obviously he can't be just contained in us. And so if I'm just getting really intimate and, ha and just having and being encounter with him, it, it just kind of radiates all around me. And people are going to get whacked just by the joy of God that just... <laughs> and, you know, people always say, you know, oh, I want an impartation of your joy. Um, it's, it's yours. 
<laughs> Everybody, just make a sucking sound right now. <laughs> yeah, you you can have anything in the kingdom of heaven, yes. just by spotting it and going. Okay, the Holy Spirit lives in me. Yeah, I want some of that. Yeah. And it's all available. And he'll just say, oh, joy. You know, that joy belongs to Jesus. Jesus said, the words that I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be full. Okay, so he didn't come up and he goes, joy, joy, joy. He just said, hey, listen to what I'm saying. It's going to activate joy inside of you and, and my joy is going to be in you and your joy is going to be full. I mean, the connection is, we're so linear. Oh, if I do this and this and this, maybe this will happen. But we're just in this great big jacuzzi of God's love. Yeah. <laughs> and we're just these sometimes dried up old sponges that he just sticks in. <laughs> and we just fatten up and nice juicy with all of his love and it fills all the holes and plumps up the dry places. That's, <laughs> that's called an encounter with his love. Just let it happen. Let go. Yeah. It's easier than we think. Yeah, it's just a response. Just going, yeah, I, I want some of that. You know, and as you jump up and people are imparting things, hey, you can have anything. He, he says, all things are yours. Whoa! He says he's given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him. He says we're co-heirs with Christ, and he's, heirs of, he's heir of all things. We're co-heirs then of how much? How much? Whoa! Okay, it's all ours. So, you know, we've got to stop partnering with this mindset of lack and limitation that I only have a little bit and I need more. You know, we, we have it all. The Holy Spirit, does he live inside of you? Yes. Okay, would you like to experience more of him? Yes. <laughs> That's what he wants. <laughs> he put that want in you. And all of heaven is available. How many of you were here? The, uh, was it last night when I, I did the, the pictures of the blue sky at the beach? Yes. Okay, so we, um, it was a stormy, stormy day at the beach, but we wanted a blue sky day at the beach. <laughs> oh, there's the stormy day. Okay, so, so we, just, we just ran up and down the beach and went, hey, blue sky at the beach! Okay, how many of you know that on the other side of those storm clouds, there's a blue sky, yes? Limitless blue sky. So within 30 minutes, well, go ahead and show the next picture. Okay, do you see that little blue sky at the beach? Boom, that little hole up right up in the middle. That's the blue sky at the beach. But it's not just that, it's... <laughs> it's us knowing that we have access to the limitless blue sky and we started calling it in. And all we saw first was this little tiny peak. And we went nuts. We're running up and down the beach going, blue sky at the beach! <laughs> you know, and then a little while longer, uh, a little while later, you see, look, see the blue sky that's happening down on the bottom? Okay, 30 minutes after the first picture was taken, go ahead and show the... That's blue sky at the beach. Well, it looks like looks like maybe dark clouds at the cloud stop at at the top, but actually that's all blue sky. I don't know. It's 
maybe the lights in the room. But it, <laughs> we spent the entire day. One time, I was, um, we used to minister at these New Age pagan festivals, my wife and I, and, and we would take a team and we'd go in, we just love people. And so one morning, we were just loving people, and and there was a, a whole meadow full of people, and I was just sharing about the kingdom of God. And the fun thing about New Age pagan heathens is that <laughs> they all want to talk about spiritual things. So, <laughs> so if you're non-judgmental and full of life, they're, they're attracted. They're attracted. I mean, everything that they're looking for is found in Jesus. Really. They're looking for community. They're looking for truth. They're looking for power. They're looking for, um, you know, somebody who loves them, non-judgmental freedom. They're looking for all of that. Whoa, sounds like Jesus. So, so I'm talking about the kingdom of heaven in this meadow full of people, and there's trees, forest on both sides. And we're in the mountains, and I'm from the mountains of Colorado, and, you know, I know how mountain storms are. And as I'm talking, I look over the mountains behind everybody, and these black clouds are coming, rolling at us. You know, well, the people don't see them. They're looking at me. And I'm talking, going, whoa. You know, and I know about how long it's going to take before that storm's going to hit us. And so I say to everybody, hey, you want to try out the Word of God? They go, okay. <laughs> I say, okay, it says in Matthew 18, if two of you on earth agree as touching anything... It will be done by my father's in he my father who's in heaven. They go, oh, cool. I say, you want to you want to play with that? Want to try it out? Okay, I want everybody to turn around and look at that storm coming at us really fast. And they all turn around and go, ah! <laughs> I said, okay, we're all going to point at that storm and we're going to agree and we're going to command it to split in the middle, go around us, rain on the forest on both sides, and we're going to be in the sunshine the whole time. I mean, at this point, it's like, okay, that or <laughs> disaster. <laughs> so everybody points at it, commands it to part. The storm parted in the middle, rained on the forest on both sides, and we stayed in the sunshine. How cool is that? <laughs> they were real attentive to my talk about the kingdom of heaven right after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah come on i'm not afraid to use the name of jesus to new agers <laughs> it depends i mean sometimes it's not the first name that i'll use but <laughs> when it comes to that <laughs> we, we'd have these little um booths by the side of the trail there's thirty thousand, you know counterculture heathens that go to these festivals. And, and so we put a up a little shade arbor by the side of the trail, and, and it says, uh, Divine Guidance and Dream Interpretation. <laughs> and so three of us will sit in this little booth. For, you know, we'll take turns for several hours each. And, um, but we, we sometimes fight over it because it's so much fun. Everybody wants to do it. Um, and so people will come in with these crazy dreams. And tell us the dreams, and we'll, you know, none of us have ever done any dream interpretation workshop. No training whatsoever. <laughs> now, training's always good, but remember, we've got the Holy Spirit who lives inside. And so we just, after they tell us this crazy dream, you know, it doesn't make any sense. You know how dreams are. Um, <laughs> and we'll go, oh, you know, 
just like Daniel and Joseph, they said, you know, interpretations belong to God. So we're just going to be quiet for a minute and just listen to him and see what he says about your dream. Is that okay? And they go, yeah. And so, you know, they watch and we just get quiet for a minute and all of a sudden, boom, Holy Spirit starts dropping things into us. We start interpreting the dream, all of a sudden reading the guy's mail. The guy's crying, snotting. God's calling forth his destiny. Yeah, I mean, they give their lives to Jesus. <laughs> right at these heathen festivals. <laughs> because he is the answer to everything they're looking for. So, um, <laughs> so the, whole, the whole idea about the blue sky at the beach and the blue sky anywhere is that you know, it's a picture of the kingdom of heaven. Okay, there's storm clouds of life. All of us go through them. There's sickness, there's disease, there's not enough money, there's not enough this, there's, there's all the stuff off that the world offers us, you know, joblessness, anything that we need. The car broke down, whatever. But on the other side of that, there's the kingdom of heaven. And the Holy Spirit is a deposit that guarantees the inheritance. So it's our connection to the limitlessness of heaven. And with this Holy Spirit who lives inside, we can just go, oh, but you're here. No matter what the storm clouds look like, you can connect with God right now, here. You, never, you don't have to cry out to him. You don't have to beg him to come. We're not orphans. We're not, just say, we're not orphaned. No, we're sons and daughters, and we have the spirit of the living God inside. And this is the number one key for breakthrough in every area of life, is just to recognize he's already here. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to perform. I don't have to pray right. I don't have to go read my Bible. I don't have to fast for 20 days. Because if you fast for 20 days, he'll go, the devil. Um, you should have fasted for 21, and you would have gotten breakthrough. Do you know that? You ever heard that one? Yes. <laughs> it's not what you do. I mean, fasting's okay. Sort of. I mean, <laughs> nobody loves to fast, but there is a time where it's, it's just great to break that stronghold of, you know, I mean, do you realize that when you fast for 10 days, how much free time you have? Grocery shopping, cooking, eating, cleaning dishes, all that stuff. You don't have to do it. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> but fasting doesn't change the mind of God, doesn't make you righteous before God. You know, uh, under the old covenant, we were, it was our obligation to be righteous, and we had to do things or not do things. But guess what? We're under a new covenant, and it's a better covenant. Under the new covenant, righteousness is an impartation. It's a free gift. And we're given righteousness. We don't have to work for it. All of a sudden, we're just, we become righteous because of what he did. Okay, so we suddenly, the, there's righteousness in heaven and the spirit of the living God inside of me. And when I recognize that he's already here, all of a sudden, I have access to everything that's in heaven. It, it's easy. It's way easier than we think. Paul said, I fear for you, lest as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, that you would be corrupted away in your minds <laughs> from the simplicity that's in Christ. <laughs> Was I just talking to you? <laughs> 
Yes, that's right. You are. Yay. Woo. Yes. Every one of us is free to be us. Yeah. And, and we're, we're free to uncomplicate things in our mind and just be. Just be me, and Holy Spirit, you live in me, not waiting for me to shape up, but just wanting a relationship. And in that relationship, he wants to have a relationship with me, not me trying to be Jeremy. He wants a relationship with me. (laughs) Was that your name? Hey. And so all he wants is for us to be real with him. But once we're real with him, we realize, oh, wait, you're here. Okay, and all of a sudden there's that intimidating person that you feel like you're supposed to witness to. Or there's that wheelchair that you've never seen anybody get out of a wheelchair and it's really threatening. But you're supposed to pray because, you know, you're supposed to get a testimony. So when you come back to school, you have a testimony to give. And here's a person in a wheelchair. And, ah, I'm scared. <laughs> That's what happens when the brain is in control. But all you have to do is go, oh, wait, but you're here. Oh, wait. Holy Spirit, you're already here. And once you realize he's here, you just go, what do you want to do? It's not what I think I'm supposed to do and I don't know how to do and I'm afraid to do. It's what do you want to do? And he always wants to do something with you, who you are. He just loves us. He loves the way we are. And and so when when you just settle down, stop freaking out, (laughs) take a deep breath and go, oh, but you're already here. What do you want to do? I just want to do what you're doing. And he always has good ideas. He's got great ideas. He knows how to heal. He knows how to witness. He knows what to say to people. I had an experience. um, uh, I I had a super evangelistic Baptist friend, and he always used to, you know, do the Roman road, four spiritual laws, all this stuff. Great. It worked for him. Um, So... I was uh, a school teacher at the time, a high school teacher, and some, somebody called me up and said, hey, um, on, I lived on a farm, you know, on your way to school, you go right by this orchard, and on the orchard is a lady who's in our church who's just given her life to Jesus. But her husband is freaked out, he's so mad, uh, uh, you know, about her becoming a Christian. Well, he oversees the orchards, and he's been spraying the fruit trees, but he got the, all, all of these chemicals in his eyes, and he's gone blind. Would you mind going by and praying for him, for whatever? And he hates Christians. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> That's right. He can smell me. My Christianity is a sweet aroma of the knowledge of God everywhere I go. <laughs> so, um, so I told my, my Baptist friend we were talking, and he goes, oh, yeah, here, here's a sport, four spiritual laws. You've got to take him down the Roman road. And I, I'm going, um, we'll see. You know, I, I mean, because I feel like people need a little relationship personally. And so, you know, I, I stopped by this guy's house, and, you know, he's in the kitchen, and it's all dark. You know, I said, hey, can I turn on the light? <laughs> he doesn't care. <laughs> I introduced myself, and I, I'm just 
you know, I'm just going, wow, I am so sorry for what's happened to you. Hey, you know, I, I would love to pray for you. I know God heals. Um, you, you know, we just get in a conversation. He's telling me about himself. He's from Mexico. Uh, he's got, you know, a work permit, and he's been, you know, working on this farm. Um, but it, it's like the end of his life. And I said, um, you know, I'm just sitting there and checking with the Holy Spirit, and I said, hey, would you mind if I just read you some stories? Like, I can come by every day on my way to school for just, you know, maybe for an hour. Could, could I just read to you while you're in the kitchen? He goes, yeah, you know, I would really like that. And so, you know, the, what the Holy Spirit had been showing me, I had been studying the life of David. And while I was reading the life of David, it just got into my mind that I would study the Psalms, and I'd take the Psalm David wrote and superimpose it on that part of the Bible when he's going through that adventure. And so I said, hey, I'm doing this really fun thing. Can I, I, I'll read you, to you about this amazing guy. He was a shepherd, and he had encounters with God, and he wrote songs. Could I read you that? He goes, wow, that'd be amazing. And so I'm reading him about David's life, and then the song that he sings, and, you know, and then more of his life. And it's just like this guy's heart is opening up. And he's really liking it, so I, I, I run into my Baptist friend. And he, goes, he goes, did you take him down the Roman road yet? I went, well, no, we're kind of in David and Psalms right now. He goes, oh, no, you've got to get him saved. <laughs> <laughs> so one day, you know, I'm reading the, this story, and the guy's just crying. And I go, hey, what's happening? He goes, well, I, I never told you this, but I write songs. And... And when you read me these stories, I hear this man's heart, and he's in love with God, and he writes songs to God. When I'm out in the orchard, sometimes, you know, like I, I, I didn't believe in God, but there's something about the creation that just stirs my heart, and I write songs. And now I'm hearing this guy's heart, and, and could I know his God the way he knows God? I go, yes. <laughs> Have I got good news for you? <laughs> he, he came with me today because he wants to meet you. Got to introduce this guy to, you know, to the living God. He comes inside. You know, who knew that that would be the way into this man's heart? Well, the Holy Spirit knew. I didn't know. But God just, he quickens things to us. He, he want, wants to use who you, we are to give us inspirations. And I don't have to be like my friend. He's great evangelizing the way he does. But I'm me. And God was using the, the study that I just happened to be doing and the, you know, the heart that I had for God and this man's heart. And he just, he, he just introduced him to Jesus. So I just kept going by, but after a while... I had a lot of stuff happening at school. I couldn't come by every day. I was coming by once a week. I was coming by less. But he, he was saying, I'm starting to see light. And then, and then after a while, he said, hey, do you think you have a great big giant print Bible? You know, and so I got him a giant print, <laughs> New Testament, a giant print. <laughs> you know, but I wasn't coming by very often. So one day I came by and he goes, hey, 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 wait, sit down. I want to read to you. He said that to me. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> so he, he starts reading me out of this giant print Bible. Um, two months later, I, you know, stuff happened in my life, and I, you know, I, I just couldn't get by very often. But two months later, 
I was in the big the shopping center in the I mean, shopping center. It was a little grocery store. This is a town of 432 people <laughs> that I lived 15 miles out of. <laughs> um, I, I was pulling into the grocery store, and and he comes running out, and he's holding his driver's license. Wow. Oh! <laughs> Saved and healed. Boom. That's our God. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm sharing all this. I don't know what time. <laughs> what time do we go to bed? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that's like lots of time. Um, so, what what I was really planning to share. Um, has to do with the blue sky and has to do with the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Because um, when, when we read in the Word and we get it that we have access to everything that's in heaven, I mean, it's a great idea, but how do we really do it? And then when we see what's in heaven, the, there's, there's healing, there's wholeness, there's provision, there's everything in heaven, right? Yeah. It says every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. How many do you think that is? I don't know, but it's a whole lot. And so I have access to everything, everything I need for life and godliness. Okay, so, I mean, it's material, spiritual, emotional, everything. If I have access to everything, and it's by the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me, who is my connection to the unseen realm, he's a deposit guaranteeing the inheritance, he's in me. How, how do I actually access those things, and how am I able to release those things into the world around me? And, and so I was, you know, I think about things, and I, so I, I think things like, I want to know how to do that. Has anyone ever wanted to know how to do that? Would you like to know how to do that? Um, I'm just going to share some things from Scripture, ways, and, and they're all things you know. This is not new. Um, it's not new stuff, but sometimes we don't understand how important they are, how valuable and important these simple things, simple truths are. Okay, and I'm glad it's the simplicity that's in Christ. I'm glad he made it simple. What if he made it really hard? <laughs> now, we have made it really hard, but what if he did? Oh my goodness, I'm so glad he made it simple. Okay, so um, I'm going to talk about seven different ways that we can release what we have access to. Now, how do we have access to it? How do we have access to it? It's just a promise. It's just a gift. It's just an inheritance. It's all free. We're sons and daughters, and we're in the beloved son. Are we good enough sons or good enough daughters? doesn't matter. He's good enough. I'm in Christ, and he's the good son. He's good enough. And now, grace is this amazing thing that not that I get what I deserve and not that I don't get what I deserve. It's that I get what Jesus deserves. I get everything the good son deserves because I'm in the good son. And all the righteousness and life of the good son is imparted to me. And so, I, you know, we need to continually refresh ourselves in our new creation identity. We've got to stop coming under the basic principles of this world, the basic mindsets of this world, the basic unbelief of this world, and realize, wait a minute, no. I'm in the sun. 
and he has access to everything. So it's a, the access to everything that's beyond the, the storm clouds is free access. When we um, made a blue sky at the beach and had just had this wonderful day at the beach all day, uh, we went to a party that night and we were telling people and, and a good Christian friend said, well, don't you think that's a little presumptuous that God would change the weather just for you? <laughs> I don't understand your question. <laughs> I am the son that he loves. Hello! <laughs> you know, with healing, with miracles, with anything, we've seen food multiplied. I, I, I have fed thousands of people out of a 20-gallon pot where I'm, you know, the, the line goes on forever, and we're feeding people, and we're feeding people, and the spoon scrapes the bottom of the pot, and there's still 400 people in line. And every time this temptation comes into my mind, hey, you should give really small helpings. It'll go a lot further. But the spirit rises up in me and goes, no, my God's a God of abundance. And so I'll put the lid partly over the pot, so I don't see the limitation in it. And I'll take big helpings. And I'll look them right in the eye. And I'll just fill every bowl. And I'll do it for an hour, scraping the bottom, every single scoop, you know, until everybody there is fed. Whoa! See, that's a kingdom of abundance. We have a different economy in this kingdom. It's not the economy of lack and limitation. It's an economy of the miraculous. And when we look into heaven and we see that we have access to that, we just, I mean, we would do this at these two-week-long festivals. We'd see food multiplied every day. Yeah. I mean, it was wonderful. And we, you know, you, you can only bring a certain amount of food into the, the wilderness. I mean, it's like a two-mile hike into where we camp and where we feed people and set up this glorious kitchen in the woods and, you know, and uh, make food for people. And, and other people are having... Uh, Rice and beans, which rice and beans are nice, but we just figured heaven was better than rice and beans. So we make elk steak fajitas, <laughs> sweet and sour duck, wild boar with honey mustard sauce, salmon pasta salad. You know, for 400 we make, but 1,000 come. And God multiplies it every time, and it feeds everybody. He's just amazing. Whoa. But many times, you know, if you look into the limitation, you'll stop at the end. But if you look into heaven, there's no end. I was sharing this morning, eternal life. Eternal life isn't a whole bunch of time after you die. Eternal life is life that has no beginning and no end. It's limitless life. It's inside of us, and it goes forever. It's this river that is, has no limits to it. And that's the life we have inside us now. So it's not about, can I go to heaven when I die? It's, whoa, heaven is like rushing through me right now. <laughs> can I recognize it, play with it, live with it, respond to it? And in some ways, direct it. And this is what we want to talk about. So one way that we can release what we have access to in heaven, it's really simple. It's just through thanksgiving. Okay, just like we want to recognize the one who lives inside of us, this is honor to God. 
Okay, if I came in the room and sat over there and nobody recognized I was here, you would have access to everything that I have, but you would never access it because you wouldn't recognize I was here. But honor is when you go, oh, Chuck's here. Hey, come on up. That's honoring. Well, it's the same. We honor him by recognizing he's here. But we also honor him when we, when we recognize the things he does. When we recognize the tiny piece of blue sky coming through, and we connect with what he is doing and what he does, and we celebrate with thanksgiving. Because he created it that way. Grace is that we get everything Jesus deserves, but that's a lot. And we don't even know how to grasp all that or understand it. But when we see some tiny thing happen, I pray for somebody. Their pain is 10 out of 10, and it goes down to a 9. And I go, yeah! Because I'm going to connect with what he is doing. The person may not. They're thinking about their pain. They're, they've got a frozen shoulder. We pray for it. It can't move. We pray. It goes like that. We go nuts, but they go, it's not done. We go, <laughs> and we help them turn their attention to what God is doing. We want to recognize and celebrate and honor God for every little thing we see because in the tiny piece of blue sky is the whole blue sky behind it. In the pain going down to a nine out of 10, is pain going down. That's what God's doing. And it's the beginning of it, but we're recognizing it. We're going, yeah, I'm on this ride. Pain is leaving. And the more we celebrate it, the more we see not, it, we don't manipulate God to do more when we give him thanks. What we do is we connect with what he is doing and we realize, whoa, wait, he's actually planned the whole thing. He paid with his own blood. By his wounds were healed. He paid with his own blood for the entire healing of the entire human race. He said, he forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. Psalm 103. Doesn't he say that? It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Wait, he heals every disease, forgives every sin. Whoa, don't forget those benefits. And so those are blue sky behind the storm clouds of sickness. And I, I want to know they're there, and I start calling them in because they're mine. And I begin to see pain go down. I'm not going to manipulate God to do anything. He did the whole thing, gave me the whole blue sky. But I'm recognizing what he's doing, and so thanksgiving is honor to God for what we see of what he's doing. I like to give thanks. On that beach, we gave thanks before there was a blue sky to see. Because we knew it was there. Not because we're trying to twist God's arm, please, get rid of the clouds. No, because we knew the blue sky's there and we start celebrating. I know healing is available for every person. So sometimes we just celebrate before. I mean, we could celebrate right now for every healing that's going to happen, or we could celebrate after they happen. But what if we celebrate before with the same enthusiasm as if you're out of the wheelchair dancing? No, when you know what you have access to, all of a sudden that becomes real. Paul says we look not on the things that are seen, but on the things that are unseen. The things that are seen are passing away. The things that are unseen are eternal. And so um, this is why we give thanks, and thanks releases the more of heaven. In um, The very word for grace is charis, 
and, and it's in Greek. And the root word is kar, which means joy. I mean, it's all about God's joy imparted to us. Why he gives us so much grace? Because he wants us to fellowship with his joy. In his presence is fullness of joy. And so he gives us this joy-filled grace, this access to everything. And then the word thanksgiving, the Greek word is eucharistos. has the same word charis in it and car. But the word is eucharistos. What does that sound like? The, what's the eucharist? It's communion. When we recognize who God is and what he's offered us freely, we have communion with the heart of God in thanksgiving. And what we do is we press into his heart with thanksgiving and we find that in his heart he's already planned the whole thing. Does that make sense? Yes? No? Okay. You know, we see the little piece but we realize it's just, that piece is attached to a great big thing that God planned. And so we're going to celebrate and honor God through thanksgiving. Worship is a thanksgiving of God for who he is and everything he's done. And, and, and what we want to do is just recognize it and connect with it through thanksgiving. And that releases the more. The more is already paid for. It's already coming. It's already behind the storm clouds. But it begins to break through as we celebrate and give thanks. Does that make sense? It's just a simple fact of life. And the whole thing about hunger it is our whole Christian walk is this tension between thanksgiving and hunger. It's we recognize what he's done, but we realize he's promised the whole package. And so we go, thank you for this, and we've got to have more. It's not a greediness. It's not, it's not an insult to God. It's how he created us. He says, yeah, I want you to see what I'm doing and celebrate it, but I want you to know I've got more. I've got more planned. And so as we live in this tension between recognizing and giving thanks and crying out for more, then we get more, and we recognize and give thanks for the more, and then there's more, and, and we just keep going. If you just give thanks for everything, thank you, oh, you're so good, thank you, you can become complacent. And just live in whatever you've got and give thanks. If you're always calling out for the more, you get frustrated. And so we've got to live in this tension between recognizing the things he's doing and going, but I've got to have more because you created me for more. Oh, and I see what you're doing. We want our radar fixed so we always see what he's doing. And don't neglect any of the benefits. Don't miss the hand of God, right? Okay, so... That's one, and, and sometimes it's a risk. All, all of these things, we step out and take risk. I risk giving thanks and celebrating before I see it happen. But I know it's on the other side. It's in the invisible realm. So I take a risk being foolish. Yeah. Hey, I was a fool for the devil for years. I can be a fool for Christ. <laughs> okay, so the second way, yeah, the, it's going to be hard to get through all these if, if I have so much fun with them. <laughs> The second way is to make declarations. Now, you know, like when you do your offering reading, you do declarations. There's lots of declarations we make. And if we're under the mindset of the world of looking at lack and limitation and all we don't have, we go, those declarations are like they're just preposterous. They're foolish. They don't make any sense. It's just saying stuff. But when you live in heaven and you see what's available on the other side, you know, I just have to declare that into this realm. And so when you go, this is shifting atmospheres. You go into an atmosphere where there's fear, where there's chaos, where there's torment, where there's hopelessness. And when I go in, I just go, oh, 
a big wave of hope just came in with me. Hopelessness is going out the door because we're displacers. The kingdom of heaven displaces. What if, um, what if this room is all black and we came in, we could all come in, we could curse the darkness, we curse you darkness and command you darkness to leave. <laughs> or we can go, bing, turn on the light. God says, Jesus said, you're the light of the world. And so he wants us to go into dark places. When we used to go to these, these festivals, these pagan festivals, Christian friends would go, what are you doing there? What fellowship does light have with darkness? I went, <laughs> I don't know, we're the light of the world, and there's no light there turned on. Somebody's got to go and be the light. Because we're going to change that atmosphere from a dark place to a light place because we're going to be there. I've gone into creepy dark places where, I mean, some of my Christian friends didn't want to go some of the places I've gone, but I just like to. <laughs> they say, what if you get slimed if the darkness gets all over you? Hey, do you know that darkness is not an entity? It's only the absence of light? Death is not an entity. It's the absence of life. We've got to know that what I carry is the reality, and it's bigger than anything of the enemy. And I've gone down these creepy dark places and had people say, you know, can you feel the darkness? And I go, I don't know. I just feel Jesus. It feels so good. I did this, I, and this is maybe not safe to do, and maybe you shouldn't try this, but <laughs> you would. Um, anyway, so I used to go to, in the 90s, back in the 1900s. Anybody remember way back in the 1900s? <laughs> so the Iron Curtain fell down. I, I had crazy friends of mine, and I decided, let's go to Russia and give away Bibles. I bet, they, I bet you can do it. It's probably legal now. Oh. <laughs> we didn't ask. We just we gave away 100,000 Bibles in three years. It was so fun. But anyway... Um, on our way, I would stop off in New York, and I had a friend who was a street pastor in New York City, and, you know, really kind of in-your-face, in an in-your-face city, and I mean, it was different from my style, but it was really fun. I liked it anyway. Um, and he lived way up in Harlem, and so we'd be doing these meetings and stuff until like two in the morning, and then I'd get on the Lexington Avenue subway all the way up to Harlem, get off in this scary ghetto where white people don't really go. And I had to walk five blocks to his place. And, and <laughs> I can remember one day just walking down the street glowing and these creepy guys coming down the street and they crossed the street and went around me. <laughs> I don't know what that scary thing is, but let's get out of here. <laughs> you got to know what you carry. I carry Everything that's in heaven and everything that's in Jesus. Not because of me, because of him. And so I have access to everything. So, so I declare those things into this atmosphere. I declare safety where there's not any safety. I declare freedom where there's not freedom. Because I'm going to change those things where the economy's horrible. We just begin to, uh, to declare prosperity is happening. There's a wave turning. You see, the, the world is problem-focused. And, and declares all the problems. This is an orphan mentality. Looks at the problems, sees the problems, is focused on the problems. A kingdom mentality is focused on the answer. A, an orphan mentality looks at the sickness and disease and how bad it is and how horrible it is. <coughs> you know, it's all that, but 
The answer is glorious. And I want to be focused on the answer and bring the answer, bring the light into that dark place, bring the healing into the sick place. You know, that's my job. And, and if we get overwhelmed by the darkness, well, that should not be because Jesus said he came as the light of the world and the darkness could not overwhelm it, John chapter 1. It couldn't. It couldn't overwhelm Jesus, his light. And he's in me. It can't overwhelm me. So you've got to know who you carry, what you carry, who you are. This is why identity is so important. It's not because, watch out for me, I'm a king's kid. You know, it's not arrogance. It's, what are we doing? <laughs> You're living in there. <laughs> oh, he wants out. Sometimes I feel like a volcano. <laughs> and so the declarations that I make, Jesus said, the words I speak, their spirit and their life. The declarations that I speak about things that are true in heaven are life-giving declarations. They change things. But do you know that music, worship, art, dance, all these things are declarations. You know, when you do a, a work of art, it's a declaration of what, what God's revealing from heaven to you. It's a declaration of freedom and beauty, dance, uh, music, worship songs, even instrumental music is a declaration and, and releases freedom into the atmosphere. Watch out, I could preach this. <laughs> what I have to realize is I influence the atmosphere of he from heaven I don't come under the atmosphere and let it influence me yes we pick up stuff there's a certain chain store that's huge all over the United States there's a big one right in this town I saw it and when I go in there I feel depressed I'm not going to name the store, <laughs> but you probably know what it is. <laughs> I just feel this depression when I go in. And so, you know, my, my MO would be, you know, I, I don't want to shop there. And I don't really like to shop there, but sometimes my wife likes to. There's deals there and stuff. And she goes, she goes oh, I know you don't like the store, but will you go with me? I go, okay. But I get fortified. I go, okay. Someone's getting happy in this store today. <laughs> because <laughs> I am not coming under that atmosphere. I am going to be a joy bomb in this place, and something's going to change. <laughs> but I have to be intentional. Sometimes we have to be really intentional. Or, you know, the atmosphere that's all around us does affect, you know, we pick up things. And, and we feel it. And, and if we're feelers, all of a sudden the feeler can overwhelm. Our feelings are just diagnosis, okay? Oh, what's the devil doing here? Oh, I see. Depression. Okay, well, I've got joy. <laughs> and so we, we make verbal and physical and, and artistic and creative declarations of what's in heaven because we're changing atmospheres. So declarations, what, you know, whether we declare them, you know, the offering declarations and things like that, we're declaring things, and sometimes we go, oh, I didn't see anything change. Sometimes we've got to do it over and over. Sometimes it changes instantly. But sometimes, you know, we just got to keep on going, persevering, keep going forward, keep moving forward, um, because there's opposition. Oh, opposition. 
You know, we got to quit running from opposition. Opposition is not sent to defeat us. Opposition is put in front of us because God's appointed us as victors that, you know, just like, just like when Egypt chased Israel to the, to the Red Sea, you know, Israel goes, why did you bring us out here to kill us? Weren't there graves in Egypt? And God goes, shut up. <laughs> sort of, didn't he? <laughs> he said, this enemy that you see today, you will see no more ever forever. He brought them out to the Red Sea to lure the enemy into his trap, which is God in the midst of his people, to display the defeat of the enemy. Okay, Jesus did, you know, I mean, right after he got filled with the Holy Spirit, the Father affirms him as his son. The Holy Spirit does what? Drives him out in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And if you're thinking crazy, you'll think, oh, God's using the devil to, you know, purge and purify it, you know, see if Jesus can stand it. If you believe that, you'll think God sends sickness and disease to see if you'll stand up. God didn't bring Jesus into the wilderness, into his trap that was the devil. He brought Jesus into the wilderness to bring the devil into his trap, which is Jesus who knew who he was. Ho! Filled with the Spirit of God. Ho! He always works from victory. God's not working for victory. He is the victory. And he's always working from victory, and he wants to join us in victory. So we make these declarations knowing Who's the victor and whose we are? Okay, so we declare things. Whatever you see the devil doing, declare the opposite. I mean, that's the easiest way to do it. Okay, you pick up fear. Just, oh, let's the perfect love cast out fear. Boom! <laughs> you, know, what, you know, hopelessness. Uh, you know, hope is not a platitude. Hope is a real living entity. And the words I speak are spirit in their life. And when I, I see people that are hopeless, you know, like they've been given two months to live and then it's over. The cancer is rampant. There's nothing they can do. And I go, hey, I just want to release some hope in you. Would that be okay? I could use some hope. I'm just going to brush off this hopelessness. Okay, here comes hope. Okay, there is a real impartation of hope that goes into that person. We had a lady who, who she was given just a, a couple months to live. She had a terminal brain tumor, and it was, it was the size of a large, ripe plum, and it was on her brain stem, and they couldn't operate. It was all entangled, and they, they said, if you want to have Christmas with your family, you better do it this month. You know, it was October, I think, and so she, she was in the healing rooms, and she felt hopeless. One of our gals went up to her and said, you know, how are you doing? She said, I feel hopeless. Our, our gal said, hey, come here. I want to show you something. One of our artists had painted this painting. That it's just heaven opened and beautiful golden rivers flowing down, and the word hope was written across it. She stood her in front of that, and hope came into her soul. She starts crying. All of a sudden, everything changed because hope came in. Hope is a real entity. The currency of heaven is real. It's not just concepts. Oh, hope. Hope is so nuts. No, it's power. The world needs hope. And so when she saw hope and hope came into her soul, everything began to change. But she still had this tumor, still had tunnel vision, pressure on her head. So she comes into the 
prayer room, and and my friend and I get to pray with her, and and so we, you know, are checking out her situation, and and she's got this pressure, and I go, hey, could I just, could we just relieve that pressure? And I put my hand on her head, and she goes, oh, the pressure just left. The tunnel vision just opened up, and then she cries out, and she goes, oh, get me a napkin. This fluid started pouring out her ear. Now, I mean, it's a brain tumor on the brain stem, I mean, I don't think there's a hole that, I don't know how that even works, but I don't have to know. All of a sudden, this fluid pours out her ears, we get her napkin, she's soaking up all this fluid, and all the pressure, all the pain, and everything is gone. Whoa! So she goes back home um, and emails us, she goes to the doctor, and the doctor said, I don't know what happened. But the tumor on your brain stem that was the size of a ripe plum is now like a dried up little seed and there's no cancer in your body. And my friend has stayed in touch with her and she is still alive today and that was six years ago. Hey, that declaration of hope made a difference. Okay, so declarations. Um, Okay, this this next one, maybe I'll... I'll skip by it really fast because you're probably studying all about it. But this is, it's another form of declaration, but it's prophetic words, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, tongues. It's all the utterance gifts of the Spirit. Okay, the difference between declarations are declarations, we see what's in heaven and we know it's there. Prophecy, we get a or direct download from heaven of the now of God, what he's saying right now. Both of them we declare, and we declare into atmospheres, but they change the very atmosphere. When you go into a place that may not be particularly welcoming, all you have to do, you just ask God for a download from heaven. You begin to give a prophetic word or a word of knowledge to some unbeliever in there that reads their mail, and boom, heaven opens up. Everything changes. I led a BSS missions team to Guatemala, and they led us in a a school. They let us go into a high school, not a Christian school. It was actually, it was a private school, but not Christian. And they they said, you know, I had a team of twenty five BSSM students, and and I said, well, uh, what is it you want us to do here? I mean, we I just was clueless, and they speak Spanish, and you know, there's a lot of <laughs> lost in translation. We're just there, and he goes, well, you do whatever you want, and I went, really. <laughs> Honestly, (laughs) he goes, yeah, yeah, we'll call an assembly, we'll have 400 students out here in the patio, and you do whatever you want. (laughs) So I had students from all over the world, so I just introduced them, the countries they were from, and then I said to the students, I want you to pick out students and stand them up, give them words of knowledge and words of prophecy. They, you know, called out different students, called out, read their mail, the whole student body's going, ugh! But there was something, you know, there was a resistance. So I had an intern with me. Actually, where's Matt? Oh, he's back there. It was Holly. So she was my intern the same time you were, but you didn't go on that trip. So Holly went with me, and um, I said, Holly, I want you to find the one. There's some girl, she's a key player in this, and she's resisting, and she's the breaking point. I mean, I just knew it. And, And Holly's looking around, and then she realizes it's that senior girl in the back sitting in the stands and Holly calls her out and the girl stands up and she and Holly says okay you're thinking right now that this is all a bunch of baloney it's all just fake and phony and the girl goes yeah 
And Holly goes, well, I want you to find out that God's real. Just hold out your hands. And the girl holds out her hands. And Holly just calls in the presence of God. You know, you feel it all over the front. But she says, what are you feeling? And the girl goes, nada. You know, nothing. And Holly goes, come on up here. And she comes up here. And Holly just goes up to her, doesn't touch her, and goes, Okay, presence of God, come. And the girl starts shaking, and she's crying, and she's shaking. And she goes, it's real! <laughs> Bingo! <laughs> All of a sudden, the whole place was receptive. I, I said, okay, somebody's got the message of salvation. One of the students jumped up, you know, gave a gospel message. Students are standing up, reaching out to heaven, crying out for Jesus to save them. Our team's going around praying for him. All of a sudden, somebody else... You know, feels like, okay, it's time to release the Holy Spirit. People are, you know, just being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Falling, students, these are high school students, falling in dog piles on, the, on this patio, just crying, laughing, rolling around. All of a sudden, the, the, this guy comes in and he goes, the bus is leaving. You know, we're leaving this town. You've got to go. We're going, no! You know, we, as we're going out, there's piles of people crying, receiving Jesus, receiving the Holy Spirit. I don't know what your school assemblies were like. But <laughs> <laughs> but you see, those spiritual gifts, they're, meant, they're not meant to show how astute you are spiritually. They're meant to open heaven for other people. And so that's why we, you know, just ask him for words of knowledge. And of course you're going to get, you're going to be scared, and you're going to have to take a risk, and you're going to go, oh, maybe it's just in my mind. Shut up. <laughs> just do it. You know, and if it's wrong, so what? If I go, hi, do you, do you have um, pain all over your back that, you know, is just throbbing and it's coming from your neck all the way down your right leg? I'm so glad. <laughs> I am so glad. I just bless you. <laughs> you know, if you get it wrong, so what? Just go with it. But step out. <laughs> okay. Oh, man, we're, we've got a lot of ways to go. But um, So, you know, the next one is the testimony, and, and you guys know about that because you just shared it. Every time you share a testimony, it ups everybody's experience. Okay, whoa, I never thought that could happen, but they just saw that happen. Okay, all of a sudden, my standard goes up. The bar has just been raised. The, you know, and really our standard is Jesus. And that's what it needs to be. We need to read the Gospels and see what he do, does and say, okay, he's my standard. Did, how many people that came to him got healed? Well, everyone. Okay, that's my standard. My track record is not my standard. He's my standard. And so that's what I'm going for. That's my bar. I'm going for everybody healed. Have I seen it yet? Well, not all the time. So, I mean, some days, yes, but not all the time. But it's, it's still my standard. I'm never going to lower the biblical standard to what my experience is. I'm waiting until my experience always comes up to the standard of the word. Okay, Jesus said, the works I do, you shall do. Greater works than these because I go to the Father. I'm always expecting 100% everybody to get healed because they're coming to Jesus. They're not coming to me. I don't know how to heal anybody. Okay, so the power of the testimony. Testimony is, you know, it's a faith magnet. It's honoring what God is doing. And when there's healing in the room and you share that testimony, this is like the point. This is honoring, okay, this is what God's doing right now. He's in the room right now doing this now. And that's why, you know, it's important to draw everybody's attention. Hey, 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 
This person just had their leg grow out an inch. This person's ear was deaf and just popped open. You know, hey, everybody, wait. You know, not, it's not golf clap time. It's not, oh, why did they do it for him? I need it. You know, none of that. It's, whoa, God's in the room. And when we learn to honor the testimony, we get the benefits. So that breakthrough becomes my breakthrough. When I celebrate someone else's testimony, what about when I need a job? And I'm looking at the ideal job, and it's not coming through, and my best friend gets the ideal job. Can I celebrate their breakthrough as if it was my breakthrough? Because it's all the breakthrough for the body of Christ. When I celebrate their breakthrough, all of a sudden it becomes mine, and I open myself up to me getting my needs met, whatever they are. And I'm not manipulating God again. I'm just going, okay, God, this is what you're doing today, and I'm part of today. And I'm saying yes to what you're doing. So, um, okay. Well, there's there's only three more because I got seven things we we've, we've done: Thanksgiving declarations, words of knowledge, wisdom, prophecy, tongues. We did the testimony. Okay, the fifth one is way fun: laughter. Hey. Why is laughter such a release of what's in heaven? Well, first of all, in his presence is fullness of joy, yes? Okay. But also, one of the enemy's initial attacks is fear and discouragement. Those aren't happy things. You know, and so he's trying, he, some dark cloud comes into your life, you can't see the blue sky, he wants you to get depressed, discouraged, be in fear, but laughter breaks that power. That initial attack of the enemy, it just breaks it. It cuts it off. It's like these tendrils are coming, wanting to wrap around your body and choke you. And you start laughing, and it just cuts them off. The enemy gets so mad, he hates being laughed at. And it says in Psalm 2 that God sits in heaven on the throne, and he laughs at the schemes of the enemy. Because he works from victory. He's not, he's not threatened by the enemy. And we, wanna, we are seated with him in heavenly places, yes? Okay, and so we want to start recognizing, and my wife and I do this, the pile of bills is higher than the pile of money. It happens sometimes. And, you know, the, all these agitating feelings come and all the things that you don't have and that you've got to do without and how are we going to do it, and we just go, wait a minute. We're just going to laugh. We're just going to laugh. And laughter itself doesn't do it, but it breaks the atmosphere open, and all of a sudden you have a new perspective. You can have the strategies of heaven. You know what to do. You, everything changes. Um, we've had people, uh, we've laughed over people to get them healed. You know, laughing at sickness. You've got to be careful with this. Um, we, we, had, we had a guy with um, four-stage cancer come in on a, a gir- like a gurney kind of thing, laid out. He was, his skin was yellow and green. His, uh, the whites of his eyes were brown. He was skin and bones. He could hardly breathe. You know, he, he'd been given weeks to live. He came into the healing rooms, and I felt like we were supposed to laugh over him. Okay, so you don't just go, ha, ha, ha! <laughs> he might not be offended, but his family... <laughs> they would be offended. Um, and, and so I just said to him, hey, 
I just feel like God wants to release the joy of heaven over you. Would that be okay? He goes, I could use some joy. I said, okay, my interns and I, we're just going to laugh over you, okay? We get his agreement. We start laughing. All of a sudden, we're laughing. We're laughing hysterically. He starts laughing. As he starts laughing, he starts breathing deeper. Now, this guy couldn't even breathe under the pressure. And he starts, he starts laughing more. His skin color starts turning pink. The whites of his eyes turn white. He's laughing and he's breathing and he's laughing and he feels great. He's still skin and bones. He still can't get up, but he's laughing and feeling good. His family comes around. They're puzzled, but he feels great. So he goes on home. We're, we're happy. He comes back a week later. He's in a wheelchair, not laid out on a stretcher. He says, um, I want some more of that laughter therapy. <laughs> we start laughing with him. He, he laughs. He's feeling better. He comes in the next week with a walker. The fourth week, he came in walking. He was supposed to be dead. Oh, I don't know how it works. (laughs) But I don't have to know. No, we just felt the presence of God say, this guy needs a release of heaven's joy. Will you laugh into this situation? Um, My interns and I were on a trip to Europe, and... um, (laughs) I'm not going to tell this whole story because it's about, the story itself is about a half an hour long because maybe 25 things went wrong with this airplane over a period of five hours. And then as we finally took off on the runway, the right engine blew up on the runway. I mean, it was people, it, the, the, it was not a joy-filled atmosphere. <laughs> and so many other things went wrong and so my <laughs> I, I called my interns up to the cat I was in economy plus with that much more legroom. they were in steerage in the back <laughs> I called them up and I go hey we're going to shift this atmosphere and we just got joy filled we got happy you know we got so happy and the, the happiness spread started spreading through the the whole plane and and this new age woman across the aisle that I've been talking to all of a sudden goes you're talking to me about God what if God caused the engine caused us to delay five hours because we would have been over the ocean in five hours and one of the things they also did was they took all the life jackets out of the plane because they weren't working (laughs) so we wouldn't even have life jackets and the engine goes oh we're over the ocean what if your God caused all of these, th- this delay so that we, this happened on the runway? Well, we got to talk about Jesus. <laughs> and, and we ended up with a plane full of happy people a little while later after much more torment. But, <laughs> but, but my, what, what my mindset was, you know, when, when everybody was so uptight was, Uh, on the final flight that actually did make it, I I said, I could fly with a bunch of crabby people or a bunch of happy people. So I think I'm going to change the atmosphere. I mean, you're in an airplane. It's it's very contained. (laughs) Okay, so um, the sixth one is laying on of hands, which we, we know a lot about, but we don't we don't get it, and you don't have to get it. It says in Habakkuk, what is it, 3, 4? It says, you know, the lightnings of God are in his hands, and power goes out from them. Doesn't that sound good? I just like that. Ha! <laughs> well, he lives in me. And there's power that goes out from our hands. And this is why, uh, you know, there's all these... Pla- 
places in the Old Testament and the New Testament about the laying on of hands. There's an impartation that happens with the laying on of hands. This is one of the reasons why you do fire tunnels, because just everything we carry, we just whack people with. Um, and there's, let's see. Hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's anointing, this impartation. What it is, is it's the overflow of what you carry goes out as you release, you know, this healing. The, the, those who believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. There's all of this stuff. I could talk more about the laying on of hands, but, um, well, let's just do one quick exercise, okay? Just put your hands out. Um, I can't use two hands in this, so I'm just going to talk, okay? Yeah. So, put your hands together like this. But don't touch, okay? And just, just try to bounce them in, and all of a sudden, can you feel like a magnetic field that happens in between your hands? Okay? Just start making a little ball with it, okay? You know, this is real energy. This is spiritual energy. It's ma a magnetic force. I don't know how it works. I don't have to. But there's power that's going out from your hands. Now, what I like to do is I like to make glory bombs. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to just take all of this spiritual energy that's coming in, and I just like you to, like a snowball, let's just get it bigger and bigger and bigger. And everything that's in you, all the joy, all the giftings, all the callings, everything you carry, all that goodness of God that's in you, let's get it nice and juicy, that's beautiful. And then I would like you to pick a target, just look around. <laughs> Okay, so I was in England, and uh, we were doing a conference, and I was, um, the worship team was playing up in the front, and, and I was laid out on the floor back there, just enjoying the presence of God, and getting whacked with a group of people, um, and I, I sat up, and just looked at the worship team, and I just saw the bass player, and I made a glory bomb, and I threw it at him. The bass player hit the back wall and slid down the, the, the wall of the stage. I mean, I was a little surprised. <laughs> the pastor stood up and said, You've taken out me bass player. <laughs> oh, this stuff works. You can try it at home. I got in trouble in a church in a certain country because um, they gave me the teenagers to play with. <laughs> so I, I, <laughs> I taught them how to throw glory bombs, and they got really good at it, and it really worked. And so they'd come into the service and glory bomb people, and the adults didn't like it. So I got in trouble. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> childlike and childish sometimes look the same. <laughs> okay, the last thing, we only have a few minutes for this. Um, the last thing, this is absolutely my favorite. It's called prophetic acts. 
Okay, so sometimes you see what's in heaven, but you don't know how to release it into here. I, I, I shared the, I think I shared the other day, didn't I, about putting zeros on, yeah, dollar bills. Okay, so I, I went into the treasure room of heaven one time by accident. I didn't know I was going there and ended up there. And so when I came back, I, you know, I started giving people like $1, $10, put a comma, three zeros. I just wrote them on the bill, gave them to them and said, this looks like a $10 bill, but it's really a prophetic $10,000 bill, and I'm just going to release the abundance of heaven, give you a Father's blessing. Bam! <laughs> and people started getting $10,000. How does that work? I have no idea. But it's really fun to try. People started coming into money. It was great. Um, and so there are so many different kinds of prophetic acts. Uh, and, and, I mean, it's just getting in touch with the one who lives inside of you. And you realize healing is in heaven, but you don't know. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do, what I say what I hear him say. You know, it, it's just this in tune with the one who lives inside of me, which is access to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father in me does the works. And so I just want to be, I want to train myself to always be sensitive to what God's doing. I want to be so tender to what he's doing because we can just barge ahead in life and miss so many things he's doing. So I want to tenderize my heart to him. And this is why I spend time with him in the mornings. You know, sometimes I have great times. There are times in the morning alone with God where I'm flying through the galaxies and he's showing me things. But a lot of times I'm just sitting there with my coffee. But that quiet time with him attunes me to who he is. And then I begin to sense him all of a sudden. He's afoot. He's up to mischief. He has some ideas of things to do. <laughs> and so um, I've done lots of prophetic acts. Did I tell you guys any stories about putting people in elevators? No? But, oh, we didn't tell you any? <laughs> Want to hear some elevator stories? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, so this woman came into the healing rooms, and she was very um, well-dressed, commanding, official, you know, CEO kind of person. And she had a list of ailments. And she, I mean, she was quite proud of her ailments. Um, <laughs> and she wanted me to be impressed with them, but I'm not impressed with <laughs> what the devil's doing. <laughs> I'm so impressed with Jesus. <laughs> so I'm looking at her list of ailments and, and you know, just trying to figure out where we're going to start. And I see it says blood pressure. And I go, oh, blood pressure. Would you like it to go up or down? <laughs> she looks at me like I'm nuts and I go, you know, we can go either way your choice, up or down <laughs> she goes, down <laughs> like I can tell that I'm making hers go up <laughs> I go, well there's an elevator button right here in front of you. You know, I'm not thinking at all. Just these, you know, impressions are coming. Just go with impressions as God gives them to you. Um, we tell our teams, go with any impression. Just do not hurt anybody, okay? We have to set a few limits because we have some wild zealots. Um, <laughs> you are not Smith Wigglesworth, okay? We're not going to hurt anybody. <laughs> Don't look at me. Okay, so... <laughs> So, you know, she's going down, and I go, well, just push the elevator button. There's, a, there's an up button and a down button. Just push the direction you want to go. 
And she is looking around this room with 200 people in it. There is no way she's pushing an invisible elevator button in front of other people. I go, no, really, just come on. You're, you know, we can, we can get your blood pressure up or down. Just push the direction you want it to go. I mean, finally, she just goes and pushes it. I step back. I promise I didn't touch her. I said, going down. The Holy Ghost goes, bam, and she hits the floor. <laughs> <laughs> she's flopping around on the floor. I just go pray for somebody else. You know, she's occupied. So, <laughs> but I keep my eye on her, and after a little while, I come back, and I, you know, I see her starting to get up, so I help her get up, and <laughs> her hair's... <laughs> she's slightly less crisp than when she came in. <laughs> but I say, hey, how are you doing? Let, you know, I look, I, I'm going down her symptoms. How are your symptoms? She cannot find one single symptom in her body. Whoa, shoot! <laughs> So another lady um, came in, and she also had a long list of, of ailments, but she was kind of spaced out, you know, she, and, and I, I just saw her ail ailments, and, you know, I'm not thinking anything, I just go, hey, would you just step in, in our elevator, and, you know, I, we just kind of move her in, and my friend and I are there, and we move her in, and I go, oh, the door just closed, oh, I got to tell you, um, all your symptoms and your sicknesses and diseases got left outside when the door closed, Sorry. <laughs> and then I said, where would you like to go? And she goes, heaven. I went, first, second, or third? Your choice. <laughs> she, she goes, third. I go, hey, just push the button, number three. She reaches out and pushes this button, and all of a sudden we, you know, going up. And, you know, we're going up, second heaven, get to third heaven. This lady trances out. She is gone. She's in the third heaven. My friend and I are in the elevator, and you know, we're looking at each other going, this lady's gone. All of a sudden, I start getting prophetic words, prophetic downloads. They don't make any sense. They're just nuts, but I feel like I'm supposed to say them, so I just start prophesying over this lady all this crazy stuff that makes no sense at all. And then I'm done, and my friend's looking at me like, what was that? I don't know. And so after a little while, the lady comes back, and she goes, I'm ready to go down. I go, okay, just push one. She pushes one. And I go, oh, by the way, when we get to the bottom, just want to remind you that all those sicknesses and diseases that got left outside, um, they're not yours, and you don't have to take them back when you go out. She goes, okay. So she gets out. We go, how are you feeling? She can't find any symptoms of anything. But she is so spaced out. You know, we can't, it, you know, it's not like we can get any diagnostic information. <laughs> so she goes home. We're just thinking something happened. Well, the next day, that, that was Saturday. And the next day is Sunday. And it's Mother's Day. I'm on the prayer line at Bethel Church, and you know, after the service, and this man, all these people are coming up for prayer. This man's coming up, just looking right at me. He comes right up to me, and he goes, "Are you the guy that put my sister in the elevator yesterday?" <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Depends. <laughs> I said, "Tell me about it. What what what's happening?" He goes, "Well." Our mother died two years ago, and this is Mother's Day. My sister has never been able to reconcile with her death. And she has just freaked out. And, you know, and every sickness or disease, it's like she has no immune system. 
Everything that comes along, she catches. And she's just sick all the time. She has every condition that's, anything that's happening, she gets. And so when you told her that she could go to heaven in the elevator, she wanted to go and see mom and wanted to connect with mom and, you know, get closure and get reconciled and have something happen. So, so when you got to the third heaven, when you prophesied over her, you said everything our mom used to say to her. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> so she completely reconciled, let mom go. She was at peace. She came down. She came home feeling great. She told me all about it. But last night, all of those symptoms started coming back on her. And so, I, and so she was just like under all this attack again. And, and, I, and I said to her, hey, didn't that guy tell you when you got out of the elevator you didn't have to take those things back? She goes, that's right. And she rebuked all of those things, and they left her. Whoa! That's like nuts. <laughs> so, I mean, I have put lots of people in elevators in different ways, but I try not to make it a, you know, like... A gimmick or anything like that. Like sometimes I'll, I'll sense the Holy Spirit saying, put him in the elevator. I go, no, 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 no. We do that all the time. No, I don't want to do a technique. And I go, put him in the elevator. <laughs> and they get healed. Lots of students have been putting people in the elevators. And I've, I've heard tons of testimonies of people getting healed because somebody else put them in the elevator. Can I tell one more elevator story, even though it's time to go? Okay, this is hysterical because <laughs> um, I was at a conference, a pastor's conference where there were, I think, 60 or 70 pastors, maybe 60 pastors. Um, this is in another country, and they, they all came to this conference, and during the conference, I was talking about, um, what was I talking about? I was talking about our, uh, you know, our, the authority we have, have in Christ, our identity in Christ, and I talked about opposition. Um, and impossible situations, and I just, I, suddenly I just felt that nudge, that little wind of the Holy Spirit, and I said, hey, is anyone in here in an impossible situation? Every single pastor stood up. I went, oh, bingo. But what I realized is, oh, of course you're in impossible situations. You're pastors. I mean, your job is bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth, you know, and helping normal people realize their supernatural abnormal identity in Christ. You know, it's impossible. So you know, no wonder you feel that way. And... <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> and so I said, okay, um, I want you to picture that impossible situation right in front of you. It's like a steel wall, immovable. Okay, and I want you to begin just walking towards it. And you're going to walk towards it, and you're going to walk towards it. Now, what the enemy wants you to do is back away because it's impenetrable. But I want you to go walk towards it till your nose is pushed into it, till you're, you're pressed up against it. Just keep walking. And all these people are, you know, walking right into it, walking right into it. And I said, okay, when you can go no further, oh, look, there's an elevator button right there. Push the button. And they pushed the button, and I said, your impossible situation just opened up into a door to the third heaven. I want you to step inside. And they all stepped inside. And I said, and now I want you to push the button for the third heaven. And, you know, they all reach out and push the button for the third heaven. I said, going up, you know, one, two, third heaven. All of a sudden, 60 people froze in space. 
They were just frozen. They were gone. They were trans. They were gone, completely gone. These bodies are, are right like that. The awesome, heavy presence of God hit so hard. They're all in heaven. I'm up there on the stage. I mean, I can feel the presence of God, but nothing's happening to me. They're all in heaven. <laughs> But the interesting thing is there were all these kids in the back. It was a public building, and they were in the back playing. And all of a sudden, all these kids of all ages came up, came right down the center aisle and sat there, and they all went to heaven. It was a public building, and the janitors, who were not Christians, were out in the hallway. They came into the building, and they sat in the back row and just went. I'm the only one who's not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm stuck on stage. Uh, you know, and so I'm going, you know, God, am I supposed to say something? Am I supposed to, you know, is this a guided imagery? Am I supposed to do anything? He goes, shut up. <laughs> I mean, sort of, not in a, in a godly manner. <laughs> so I'm just watching, and 10 minutes go by, 20 minutes go by. I mean, they're, they're just gone. They're there. Their bodies are there. Eyes are open. Nothing happening. Gone. And, you know, I'm just, I'm feeling the weighty presence of God. I go, okay, something's happening. And then after a little while, there's a little bit of stirring. You sense something's happening. The pastor who is leading it, you know, I invite him up. Um, I, I share a few things. People are coming out of this trancy situation. Um, he gets up and he says a few words and, you know, people are beginning to talk and we're beginning to share. You know, people are all had encounters in heaven. This 12-year-old girl stood up and told us how she saw Jesus, went up and sat on his lap and he told her his, her destiny and who she was. And these amazing things are happening. And as people are beginning to share, this one guy goes, are we still in the elevator? <laughs> <laughs> But every one of those people had an encounter. They stepped into a prophetic encounter where God met them and he took them past from their impossible situation into the third heaven, into an encounter with him. He gave them tools. He gave them identity. He gave them revelation where they could go on. I just believe every impossible situation is just waiting to become an encounter with God, an encounter in the third heaven. So don't run. You know, the enemy wants you to run back from the impossible situations. I just say, go forward, go forward, go forward. If you can't go forward anymore, push the button and let the door open and keep going. Keep going into the third heaven because every impossible situation is an encounter with God just waiting to happen. So prophetic acts are powerful. They're tiny little prophetic acts that we do. Sometimes people will come to me and they'll say, you know, um, Benny Hinn prayed for me, Bill Johnson prayed for me, Randy Pl Clark paid for me, and nothing happened. You want to give it your best shot? <laughs> it does make me laugh. So usually what I'll do, I'll, I'll just say, hey, I'm just going to, and I'll just make a line on the floor and go, hey. I want to ask you to step across this line, but I want you to know that when you step across this line, old things have passed away and all things have become new. Okay, the old is past, the new has come. You are now a new creation. 
all things are made new. You know, and, and all of a sudden they, they have to engage in a prophetic act that engages them with the living word of God. And the living word of God becomes, whoa, alive in them and they become the word of God. And God does stuff in them. You know, it's just a, inviting people to, to partner with what is true and having to step into it. And, and what I found is that prophetic acts, they, they bypass the intellect. The story I told last night to whoever was here about the, the um, French guy that <laughs> I said, you know, he, he'd broken his back. And I said, well, you just lie on the floor and I'll get up on this chair at a table and I'm going to jump on your back and God's going to heal you. you know. <laughs> he freaked out. But, I, <laughs> but God threw him across the floor and God healed his back completely, and he never had to have the surgery. The thing is, like, he was a warrior, a man, and faced, you know, and he was, he would go after healing. He would face sickness. He would face pain. You know, a lot of people are geared up to assault their disease, their sickness, or whatever, but it's not our strength of purpose or determination or none of that heals. God heals. And sometimes he just has to bypass our intellect. Sometimes we're waiting for all our ducks to get in a row, and how do you do it right, and you know, how do you make this thing happen? And none of that makes it happen. God heals. He doesn't do it because Grandma was really good, and it'll be a great testimony, and everybody in the town will believe if she gets healed. Oh, he does it because he loves Grandma. And we've got to stop trying to manipulate God with prayers. And prophetic acts just let, you let go of everything because nothing makes sense. It's like, this is stupid. I'm stepping across the line. I'm stepping into an invisible elevator. You've got to be kidding. You know, it bypasses your intellect. You, you're out of control. Yes! <laughs> you are no longer the control freak that, you know, turn to your friend and said, there's a control freak that lives up there. Just... Tell them. <laughs> there is. We all have one. And we want to know how to do it. We want to make it right. And ideally, we would like to look good in the process. But <laughs> sometimes we have to be fools. We have to step out. We have to do something that doesn't make any sense. It's stupid. All of a sudden, I'm not in control. It's not linear thought. It doesn't, it's not logic. Nothing happens. Well, healing isn't linear thought or logic either. Healing is an invasion of miracles into this realm. So we got to let go. And this is why it's better to pray with childlike faith and just do goofy things than to try to get all the words right. And the emphasis, <laughs> and the intensity, <laughs> and whatever you think you need to get healed. Just let God do it. He's the healer, and he lives inside of you. And so these, seven, these are seven ways, you know, I, I used to teach a whole lot longer on all of them because there's lots of fun stuff in them. But um, I just want you to know that you have access to everything. And there are ways that we can release it into the world around us, but it's not. An intellectual thing is an assault of truth and life and the kingdom and everything else into this natural realm. And the natural realm bows to the supernatural realm. Yeah. And we're carriers. Just stand up. Go ahead and stand up and let's have a little impartation. <laughs> Boom. I went way longer than you're supposed to, than I'm supposed to. They're going to fire me. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
I just release a, a, just a supernatural impartation to be able to, with childlike delight, believe God's word in a new way, to see his word open before you with freshness. Yeah, just the flushing away of crusty doctrines that don't line up with the truth of his word, and a, a fresh ability to embrace the word of God as life, as spirit and as life, to see Jesus in all his glory, to accept the plan of God, to step into your new, new creation identity, to step into an encounter with God until you become an encounter. So everywhere you go, you release those encounters because he always leads you in triumph in Christ Jesus. And he displays the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere you go. You're just a carrier of heaven, releasing it every step. I was, I was on the airplane, and I, I watched that movie Avatar for like the 10th time. And, and I love it when they, they walk, and the, the ground just lights up every step. But that's who you are. You know, that, that, song, that song we sing to, to Jesus about when you walk into the room, everything changes. Well, he wants to sing that song over you. When you walk into the room, everything changes. Every hopeless situation ceases to exist because you just showed up. Because you carry hope, you carry life, you carry the promise of heaven. And so we need to know what we have access to behind every storm cloud of life and know that we're the ones called to bring it here. We're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. He didn't say, beg me to come heal somebody. He said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers. Freely you've received, freely give. He's given us authority on this planet. He's given us dominion as stewards of this planet, as love stewards, not as, you know, dictators, as love servants to all creation. And the creation's waiting in eager expectation, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. And we are they. Ho! And creation's going, come on, come on, come on! <laughs> Yeah, I just released a greater, greater impartation of simple childlike faith to believe everything God says is true. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs>